The foreign policy pundit's life is a fraught one. You're forever drawing upon your deep wells of learned understanding and hard-won knowledge, supping hearty draughts of the sagacity distilled from these ingredients and confidently burping forth your predictions of imminent developments, only to discover time and again that the world insists on having a mind of its own, that you have beclowned yourself entirely, and that your email inbox is once more full of messages demanding to know who this idiot thinks he is, a disheartening number of them forwarded, without comment, by your editor. We foreign policy pundits are, as a breed, therefore allowed the occasional tap-in, and this coming Sunday's general election in Cambodia is one of them. It will be won, and convincingly so, by the Cambodian People's Party of Prime Minister Hun Sen. Hun Sen is one of the world's more incumbent incumbents. He has been Prime Minister of Cambodia since 1984, the only current heads of state or government who have been in the gig longer, are three harmless European royals, the King of Eswatini, the chief thunderbolt hurler of Iran, a couple of unshiftable West African crooks, and the Sultan of Brunei. The question probably being formulated by the curious listener around now will be along the lines of, is Hun Sen's long stint at the top a reflection of his profound understanding of the hopes and aspirations of his fellow citizens and reward for the wisdom of his rule, or is he simply a thug and a tyrant who has ruthlessly crushed all opposition? Certainly, the results of Cambodia's previous general election in 2018 could be read as indicating either a firm thumb on the nation's pulse or a firm boot on the nation's neck. Hun Sen's CPP won every single one of the 125 seats in Cambodia's National Assembly. Before we contemplate the chances of Hun Sen and the CPP repeating this remarkable feat in forging consensus, and as has already been foreshadowed, those chances are pretty good, it's probably worth recapping Hun Sen's arrival at these miraculous heights of popularity. It has been quite the wild ride. Hun Sen was still a teenager from the boondocks when, in 1970 or thereabouts, he joined the Khmer Rouge, the dingbat communist sect which eventually fought its way to power in Cambodia in 1975, in the course of which Hun Sen sustained a head wound which cost him his left eye. The Khmer Rouge, under the command of Marxist revolutionary and certifiable lunatic Pol Pot, changed the country's name to Kampuchea and set about waging an ideologically demented genocide against its own people, more than two million of whom were murdered, roughly a quarter of the population. Hun Sen, to his minor credit, doesn't seem to have been much keen on this, and in 1977 scarpered to Vietnam among other relative moderates who feared, probably quite sensibly, that the revolution was coming for them next. It proved a propitious manoeuvre. In 1979, Vietnam, whose Marxist revolutionary leadership may have been a lot of bad things but were not entirely off their rockers, invaded Kampuchea, chased Pol Pot and his cult of weirdo headbangers into the jungle and installed a regime they liked better. Its foreign minister was Hun Sen, aged all of 26. He was prime minister by 33. You see... 
I have dismantled the Khmer Rouge political and military organization already. What remains is the trial of the Khmer Rouge. I would like to push it beyond my hands, put it in the hands of the court of law. It wasn't an easy perch to cling on to. The Khmer Rouge continued making a pest of themselves for the rest of the 1980s. After a peace accord was signed in the early 1990s, the Cambodian people had the temerity to vote Hun Sen out, a setback he overcame by simply refusing to go. He forced a compromise which allowed him to crack on as co-prime minister and then consolidated power with a messy coup d'etat in 1997. If I win the election, I will organize the new government led by me, to be led by me. How about and if I lose the election, I will hand over the power I have today to the winner. There have been a few elections since, some of them free-ish and fair-ish and relatively near-run things. It's very difficult to proclaim it's a free and fair elections. I think the level playing field in the process doesn't exist. But Hun Sen has kept his job, and the longer he has kept it, the less inclination he has displayed to risk losing it. Which brings us to the present day and the reasons for this explainer's confident prediction that an evening watching the Cambodian election returns roll in would be an evening wasted. Hun Sen is really not taking any chances. He has enacted the standard authoritarian playbook. This regime relies so much on the military force, even uh, to uh, ensure internal security. This regime is a military regime or not? Suborn the police, the military and the intelligence services, deregister opposition parties, close independent media, annoy or terrorise dissidents into silence, complicity or exile. Party leader Kem Sokka spent six years in detention before being sentenced to 27 years under house arrest for treason in March. Now that he's gone, there's no party or personality to stand in the way. Even after decades in power, it seems that Hun Sen is thinking of the future. Although, spoiler alert, not necessarily the future prosperity of his nation. He has already anointed a successor, his son, General Hun Manet, who has risen through the ranks of Cambodia's military with a speed surely attributable only to possessing all the finest qualities of Zhukov, Grant and Wellington. It doesn't mean that uh, the younger generation, I mean the young generation like me and the other people, don't want to pursue a position, I mean high position in the government. But it's because the opportunity and the power is holding uh, within the Hun family is really powerful and they can decide whatever they want. But the main reason for Hun Sen's increasing intolerance of dissent is as easy to diagnose as this weekend's election is easy to predict. That roiling mix of paranoia, entitlement and detachment from reality which tends to beset anyone who has held a particular post too long. Listeners who email asking if this also applies to foreign policy pundits will not be thanked for writing. For Monocle Radio, I'm Andrew Muller.